Hello, and welcome to the third installment of The Vinyl Approach. My name is Tom Wilmoth. I've been publishing my thoughts on music and have been involved with radio since the early 1970s. I call myself a collector of popular and unpopular music. The Vinyl Approach is a bi-weekly podcast that takes a look at a wide range of albums and artists. I use The Vinyl Approach to discuss specific things that have interested me about musicians and their records. Today we will examine some noteworthy B-sides of Bob Dylan. What is a B-side, you ask? Good question. You may or may not be old enough to remember 7-inch vinyl records. These were known as singles or 45 RPM records. They were called singles because you bought the record for one specific song. They were known as 45s because that's the speed they rotated on your record player, 45 revolutions per minute. Why did people buy them? Singles were far cheaper than purchasing an entire album, especially if you were interested in just one song. Record companies would promote their artists by placing a song onto a single, hoping it would get played on the radio, and that people would then hear the song and like it enough to buy the record. It was cyclical. The more the record was played on the radio, the more copies it sold. The more copies it sold, the more radio would play it. But singles actually held two songs. First, the one that you specifically bought to play at home, this was called the record's A-side, the featured song heard on the radio. Also included was a different song by the artist, which was placed on the other side of the record. This other side was called the flip side, or the B-side. This B-side was almost always a song that appeared on the same album as the single's A-side. Sometimes, though, the single's B-side was a song not on the artist's current album. Occasionally, the single's B-side was a recording available nowhere else, only on that single. And this is the topic we address today, the unique B-sides of Bob Dylan singles. Actually, the topic of Dylan's noteworthy B-sides is so expansive that today I will focus only on one of these singles, his first. The story of Dylan's first 45 release is among the most complicated, and the record itself is one of Bob's most elusive. Here's what we know. In December 1962, Columbia Records issued its first single by Bob Dylan, with its A-side being a song called Mixed Up Confusion. As with any single released by a record label, Columbia was hoping that the record would generate interest in their new artist through radio plays and sales. It didn't. Some sources indicate that Columbia withdrew the single just a few days after releasing it, but I'm not sure if this is accurate. We do know that Mixed Up Confusion generated no interest on the radio or with the record-buying public. Very few copies of the single were sold. Mixed Up Confusion is a Dylan song with an interesting history of its own, but I'll pass that by for now except to say that it was not taken from Dylan's current album of the time. Mixed Up Confusion was recorded in November 1962 and released a few weeks later. At the time of the single's release, Dylan's first album had been out for eight months, and he had already recorded most of his next album, called The Freewheelin' Bob Dylan, which would be released a few months later. Neither album contains Mixed Up Confusion, although officially issued by Columbia on a single, the song was essentially buried. Freewheelin' didn't include Mixed Up Confusion, but it did have the single's B-side, an old number from the folk tradition called Karina Karina. How then does Karina Karina qualify as an entry on today's program of Bob Dylan's unique B-sides? Interestingly enough, the recording of Karina Karina that appears on the Freewheelin' album is different from the one found on the B-side of Mixed Up Confusion. Both performances are by Dylan, of course, but these two versions are known as different takes of the song. Same song, 
same performer, even the same arrangement, but different recordings. Not only was the single's B-side version of Karina Karina not used on Freewheelin', this specific take of the song was never again issued on any of Dylan's own authorized releases, something that remains true to this day over half a century later. With a similar recording of Karina Karina included on the Freewheelin' album, Columbia Records apparently saw no reason to re-release the single's version. And while I believe the album version of Karina Karina to be the superior take, for years, nay decades, it has been frustrating to try to locate the other officially released single version of this song. If one is able to compare the two released versions of Karina Karina, differences do emerge. The performance on the Freewheelin' album is a bit slower than the single's version, and Dylan sounds calmer, more thoughtful. The vocal on the single is less plaintive and a bit more strident. On the album, the listener can hear the singer's pain of longing for Karina. The easiest way to tell the difference between these two takes comes at the beginning of the recording. The album version starts with a guitar. The single opens with the sound of Bob's harmonica. The instrumental arrangement is the same on both, with Bruce Langhorne's gentle guitar pattern providing a backdrop to Dylan's sometimes fluid phrasing. By playing the two recordings of Karina Karina one after the other, a listener can hear which specific vocal mannerisms Dylan retains in both versions, such as a cracked voice on specific lines, and what elements are unique to each performance. There is nothing wrong with the take issued on the single, but in comparison to the album, the single sounds like a competent run-through. The instrumental backing is less developed, for one thing. This makes sense, as the single is thought to be take four of the song, and the album is take six, both recorded on October 26, 1962. Some dispute these dates, by the way. When examining many of Dylan's alternate take recordings, Bob can often be heard tinkering with his lyrics, as the songwriter tries out different words and phrases. But the lyrics to these two performances are essentially identical. Maybe this is because Dylan did not write the song. In fact, Karina Karina is the only song on Freewheelin' where Dylan is not listed as the composer. This is far different from Bob's first album, where he wrote only two of its 13 songs. Following the songwriter trail a bit further, Karina Karina would be the last song released by Bob Dylan that he did not himself write until eight years later on his 10th album, Self Portrait. This was the infamous 1970 double record featuring several numbers associated with other musicians. The writer of Karina Karina is unknown, but the first recording of the song is usually attributed to Bo Carter in 1928. The label on the Freewheelin' record indicates that Karina Karina was adapted and arranged by Bob Dylan, but which of the many recordings was Bob familiar with? Where did he learn this song? If it was Bo Carter's version, Bob sort of inverts its melody line. It may have been Carter's record, and it may have been another version of Karina Karina that Bob knew. Such are the topics for conjecture, speculation, and intense disagreements within the world of Bob Dylan. As lovely as Bob's rendition of Karina Karina may be, he appears to have played this song for an audience only once, in April of 1962, a full six months before making the studio recording. That's according to the concert listing on the official Bob Dylan site, which has been known to miss a few things, but certainly the song was not performed often by Dylan. As I have said, comparing the two studio recordings of Karina Karina is worthwhile, but making such a comparison has been nearly impossible. I find it surprising that the single version has never appeared on one of Dylan's many archive collections. 
Other studio takes of the song do exist. Several can be found on a series called the Copyright Extension Collection. But this full set is not readily available and is a complicated topic best left for another time. But I will stress that the take of Karina Karina used for the single is not included on the Columbia Copyright Extension Collection. Long story there. So, for many years, the single version of Karina Karina was unavailable and its existence largely unknown, even by Dylan fans. Then, in 2013, a curious compilation by folk singer Carolyn Hester was issued on London's Jasmine Records label. It's a two-CD set called Carolyn Hester Introduces Bob Dylan. Hester's first three studio albums are here, but the set also includes Dylan's debut album in its entirety, followed by The Treasure, the two songs from Bob's first single, Mixed Up Confusion and Karina Karina. An unexpected gift from a curious place to be sure, but here were the recordings from Dylan's elusive first single, now readily available and in excellent fidelity. In spite of this compilation's title, Carolyn Hester did not introduce Bob Dylan to the world, but there is a noteworthy connection between Hester and Dylan. Bob played harmonica for four songs on Carolyn Hester's 1960 album. This studio date for Carolyn Hester was Dylan's first professional recording session. Some say this session helped convince its producer John Hammond to sign Dylan to a recording contract of his own. I assume that Jasmine Records drug Bob's name onto the title of its reissue to boost sales. The ploy worked, at least in a small way, since Dylan collectors were glad to finally have access to these obscure recordings from the first single. I don't know how many of the Carolyn Hester compilations the label sold, but they sold one to me. While this edition of the vinyl approach focuses on the B-side of Dylan's first single, the unusual A-side of this record is worth further discussion. Legend has it that Dylan wrote Mixed Up Confusion in a taxi cab on the way to the November 1962 recording session. The label's idea was to combine Dylan with a full band. Or it was somebody's idea, anyway. John Hammond has always said that it was not his idea. Dylan himself would successfully incorporate backing musicians into his sound three years later, but at this point he was a folk music artist, or he sounded like one anyway. It's easy to hear why Mixed Up Confusion was left off Freewheelin', as the song's inclusion would have been jarring amidst the acoustic guitar numbers on that album. It's true that Karina Karina has some backing accompaniment, but nothing like the frenetic sound of Mixed Up Confusion. Someone must have held out hope for the song's success, though. Columbia recording logs show that numerous takes were attempted. It's not known what Dylan felt about this single. He wrote the song, but he doesn't seem to have promoted Mixed Up Confusion at the time of its release. There are no known instances of him ever playing this song to an audience. However, it appears that Dylan had no club dates between October 1962 and February of 1963. In October, the song had not yet been written. By the following February, the single had either already been deleted by Columbia, or it had become clear that the record was not destined to be a success. Perhaps both. Because it was not included on Dylan's Freewheelin' album, Mixed Up Confusion was just as unknown and unavailable as the B-side version of Karina Karina. This remained true until 1978, and the release of a three-record compilation from Japan called Masterpieces. This collection included lots of Dylan's well-known songs, but it also had a full album side of difficult-to-find recordings from Bob's singles. Mixed Up Confusion was one of the rarities on this side. But even here, the version of Mixed Up Confusion on Masterpieces was not the same take of the song used on the single. In 1985, the song appeared again. 
this time on the five-album retrospective set Biograph. But here the story of mixed-up confusion only becomes more complicated. Even the meticulously curated Dylan site Searching for a Gem calls this song's release history very confusing, and it praises the Carol and Hester collection for providing access to what really is the actual recording of Mixed Up Confusion as released on the single. I can only agree. There are other worthwhile topics that relate to today's focus of the B-side of Bob Dylan's first single, Topics such as the fact that Carol and Hester turned down Albert Grossman's offer to become the Mary in Peter, Paul, and Mary. Or that John Hammond reportedly signed Carol and Hester to Columbia Records because Joan Baez had turned him down, choosing to sign with the Vanguard label instead. Or a look at Dylan's involvement in Harry Belafonte's recording session for his Midnight Special album, a session where Dylan reportedly walked out on Belafonte because Bob didn't want to perform the same song over and over again. I especially bring up this Harry Belafonte date because some think that this is Dylan's first professional recording session. It's not, but confusion is understandable. The Carolyn Hester recording session came first, but her album that included Bob's harmonica on several songs was not released until after the Harry Belafonte album had been on the marketplace for several months. Oh, it matters. But as I say, we will save these and other topics for a later time. This has been The Vinyl Approach. I provide an accompanying song list on Spotify for each of my episodes. This week proved a challenge, though, as the specific B-side recording of Karina Karina discussed today does not appear on Spotify. In fact, it is not currently to be found on YouTube either. A quandary. Tell you what, just drop over to the house sometime after the lockdown eases, and I'll play it for you. In the meantime, listen to the album version of Karina Karina, which is on my Spotify list. I'm Tom Wilmoth, and if you are interested in reading more of my opinions about music, I have published a book called Sound Bites, A Lifetime of Listening. It's available on Amazon. Take care, and I'll see you next time when the topic will be posthumous releases.